pushing the boundaries of expectations, rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. We share your hunger for a life without limits. Hello, KBZ. Welcome back for another session of Being Edified, Celebrated, and Encouraged. This is your place where you are championed, and we are so glad to have you back with us today. StephenCanyon.com is the website. And if there is someone that you know who will benefit from these podcasts, please share this with them. Hello, Miss Maggie. <laughs> Stephen. What a grand weekend. What a grand weekend. Grand as it was. <laughs> as it were. <laughs> I, I just so enjoy spending my downtime and uptime with you all the time. <laughs> I like, let's change that. You're fun. I'm just looking for a little uptime. Yeah. That's uh, perfect. Well, you're great for that. Oh, what a great weekend. I had so much fun. Finally back in the, in the painting studio, which is mm. just the porch outside. <laughs> Remarkable. It was wonderful. Uh, I have to say spending that much time painting a teepee with a glow coming from within just made me feel so fantastic. I felt so cozy. I felt like I was in it. It is cozy to look at, and I can see, what is it, on the, the um, home shopping thing that they do, I can see us in that teepee. I can oh. see you in there cooking a meal, <laughs> or me cleaning a fish, or you cleaning a fish and me cooking the meal. Somebody, but anyway, I, that's funny that you said that. I saw the other day somebody said they should do like a college-age house hunters, and, and they would end up saying, you know, uh, I can really see myself passed out on these mahogany floors. <laughs> Hey, don't you love it when you got the young couple that's been married like six months and they have a million dollar budget because one collects driftwood and the other like and, raises hamsters? Yeah, or something. Yeah, it's kind of like our Hallmark. budget is ten million. Yes, and I'm a CEO of <laughs> whatever. <laughs> love. It must be nice. It is. Imagine it. You know what? And it can come true. It's <laughs> that, true, though. That is the that is what believer. we teach, isn't it? It's, yes, I forgot it is. for a minute. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of dreams coming true, mm. our e-bike trail bikes are uh. going to be here in just a few days. I was looking this morning. They still haven't sent the notification of, of delivery or, or shipping, shipping. Yeah, I think we'd know if they were delivered. <laughs> was, was that a knock at the door? <laughs> it's funny, though. The, it's the anticipation that's so intense right now. I mean, it's more than Christmas morning. I mean, this is huge. These are epic pieces of equipment. It's going to add so much to our adventure. Well, get the e-bikes, and then I want you to take your easel, and I'm going to get my this little foldable keyboard. It's full size. It's not actually it little, actually folds but the technology half. allows me to fold it yeah. up and put it in a bag that goes over my shoulder, and it operates on batteries, and I can connect it to my my uh, laptop, mm-hmm. and and I can Easy, orchestrate, portable. and I can take that, and then let's go up to the high alpine. What is it? Blue Lake? Is yeah, that the Blue Lakes. It? We'll need to go during the week though. <clears throat> They're really crowded. On the weekends, but we can go find a nice spot and I can paint. You can work on music. I mean, th- doesn't that sound ridiculous? It does, but the e bike, the electric bikes are going to get us up the top of this 14,000 uh, foot. Summit. It was hard to find some that were even in stock. I mean, I think the e bike concept is sort of exploding right now. Well, we'll get ours and get it, though. then we'll spend a day of creating and let's take a picnic. Take a picnic. You know what us. I just realized? I don't know how the timing on this, but just a few podcasts ago, we were you were describing when we first got to Woodland Park, Colorado. We went for this bike ride and we were wheezing our way back. I wonder, did we buy e-bikes right after you told that story? <laughs> well, when you say wheezing, do you mean we were going fast? No. You were telling the story about <laughs> oh. how we couldn't breathe because of the, oh. the elevation. But I was wheezing past everyone. Yeah, <laughs> no. That's well, not he what that sure means. is fast. That's not what that means. Oh. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, like, did we just t- did we talk ourselves into assisted pedaling on I the podcast? No, I think it's one of those holistic things. The e-bike just sort of became us because we were uh, wheezing you know, because we were <laughs> going so fast. Me. We were going so fast. Oh, did I hear you say picnic? You're gonna mm-hmm. t- we're gonna take a picnic as well mm-hmm. up yeah. to the Blue Lakes. Oh man, we have to take pictures of, of these things. You know, we're not so great at that. We're not so great at capturing these these moments. We need to be Let's better about like take the picture if you think oh, about it. And speaking of picnics, I did mention to the KBs before we went into this weekend to hey try to get a picnic in on your own. If you did, yeah. please send us a photo well and and better yet do what um somebody else did on instagram they hashtagged kinetic belief and they tagged this beautiful photo of Mm. i think they were hyping Mm -hmm. up maybe it looked like montana maybe it was 
East Glacier up there, but it mm. was beautiful. It yeah. was just stunning. But I loved that. Hashtag it kinetic did, belief. It did look like he was in East Glacier. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think so. Well, speaking here. of the KBs, we have been hearing from them uh, quite a bit in the past week or so, and mm. quite a few people have written in. There is a theme, mm. and the theme is the ego. Everybody wants to know more about the ego, the, the nature of it, exactly how does it work, what are mm-hmm. the characteristics mm-hmm. of it. We talk about it so much on the podcast. So this is a great question. I cannot Mm. wait to to see what further insights you can give us about dealing with the ego. What is it? How can we recognize it? Well, I did get into it a little bit last week as actually as a guest on another podcast, but uh, we have been we have been probing it, uh, you know, at length lately. And well, let's unpack the ego for just a moment, which I actually prefer calling the superego because knowing how to identify. The superego enables you to observe it as something that's actually separate from yourself. Most people are completely possessed by their thoughts. They're so consumed by the voice in their head that the incessant stream of all of this involuntary and compulsive thinking and the emotions and the feelings that accompany their thoughts, that they're actually, in the truest sense, being possessed by their minds. And so as long as you are completely unaware of what you're identifying with, you are imagining that your thoughts and that all of those feelings are who you are. This is the ego. This is the super ego mind that we talk about often on the podcast. In psychology, uh, this is the self-critical part of consciousness, where there is a sense of identity in every single thought, every memory, every interpretation, opinion, viewpoint, reaction, emotion, all of those things. And so, you know, spiritually speaking, this is the unawakened state of being, which is developed by the past. And this is a vital distinction, because I have to say, uh, when you, when, what you're telling us right now, talking about the ego, not being a part of who we really are. I think I was still processing the idea of the ego as something that was a part of me, but that I needed to resist Mm -hmm. to overcome. So this idea that we actually get to completely separate ourselves from it, that it is not who we are. um, That's, that's exciting. That's, that's, that's huge. Well, and it's in the act of separating yourself, Meg, from the ego that there is the practice of resistance. You have to resist the thing that you don't want to become. And so it is resistible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's not irresistible. It's something that we can actually do. Oh, but you man. have to be aware of it to even know where to begin. Right. Uh, the, the super yes. ego is created by the stories that a person tells themselves regarding the way that they were raised, mm. regarding the culture that they've lived in, their family history, uh, people that they've known in their lives. And the central core of the superego consists re- through the repetitive and, and all of the antagonistic thoughts, feelings, emotions, and the causative habitual patterns that you're identifying most intensely with. Mm. Wow. The, the superego is an entity, and that is the best way to look at it. It is not harmless in that it, you know, it has no effect on your life. It absolutely does because it is an entity in that it thinks the superego feels um, it motivates a person to action. And so a person who's operating in their life, making decisions, working their relationships from the superego, uh, when they say I, it's actually their superego that's speaking and not the real person. It's not the infallible life source of their higher being that's speaking. Mm. The superego consists of the way that they've thought about things and felt about things. It's the illusory of memories from an entire lifetime that they've identified with. So is this always going back to forms, labels, and stories? That seems to be the theme of what you just said when it comes to the ego. Yes. yeah. The superego is the person of me. And my story. It is the one who says, let me tell you about me. From the many roles and all of the characters and experiences and, and the, the many hats that have been invented to wear and that a person is identified with without even realizing it. 
It's funny. Um, I just had this uh, sort of flash of of a hilarious conversation that a kinetic believer is going to have. You know, somebody says, "Well, tell me about yourself," and you go, "Well, I am that I am," <laughs> <laughs> and that is a great start and a great finish. You know, we <laughs> all we know is our highest self. We have no stories to then, tell. And then be quiet. <laughs> I love it. But seriously, you know, Meg, the superego is the collective imaginations that are contracted and continually validated by nationality, religion, race, social class, political alliances, all of those things. When you lay it out like that, too, you really see how how the ego um, serves to keep people from each other, from loving Mm. each other, Mm -hmm. from knowing each other, from appreciating one another, the the opposite of everything Mm -hmm. that we talk about here. From knowing each other, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so true because the false narrative of the superego, it also exhaustively lives through personal identifications by identifying with possessions. You know, how much money do you have? What kind of car do you drive? Mm. Um, What do you do for a living? Where did you go to college? What's your degree in? On and on it goes. And it's the dogmatism of opinions, the way that you look, Mm. the way others look, regrets, resentments, thought forms regarding yourself— as being better than others or not as good as others. Thoughts of being a winner or a loser, a success or a failure in life, all of those things. And when we examine the superego, we see that the measurements of the self-identifying with superego varies from one person to the next person. To the extent that, you know, the more a person has elevated consciousness, Mm. which is what the KB does, the higher source of being above the superego, the inferior nature of being, the, the uh, less they identify with the ghost mm-hmm. of the entity, the ghost of the superego, the genius of purpose, the genius of self transcends the false narrative that we're talking about of thoughts, emotions, and feelings. You know, it's interesting you mentioned possessions. And I think a lot of times uh, when you hear about the law of attraction, especially on a shallow level, you you get the impression that you are, you're only supposed to, you know, identify with the cars. And I mean, basically, it's okay to, to um, identify with possessions as long as you're dripping in diamonds and money and houses and cars. And that is not the case, because um, that can be taken away, that can be stolen from you. And, and I think that's really a fascinating point that the ego it negatively attaches to things, whether it's poverty or being wealthy. And either way, that is damaging to our mm-hmm. true self and our true identity. I think that's a big, big thing that you just dropped on us. There's nothing positive about identifying with a, being a billionaire if the billion, if the billion dollars gives you your identity. And I think it's, we're, a, it's a negative. Yeah. And I think we're all wondering, too, well, how do we believe for wealth and <laughs> prosperity while not attaching our identity? Um, to you it. see, wealth is there to serve you, to coexist with your authentic self as a tool to enhance the experiences that you're having in this life. Mm. Because, look, everybody has one. The superego exists within every single person, and it only differs in strength on the level of the thinker. In other words, what one thinks about self and so there can be variables of the egoist, the entity that's living within every single person that you're continuously combating with. And like whack-a-mole, you're trying to knock it down. Say, I see you. I'm observing you. I'm, smi- I'm smiling at you. And I'm going to take you by your little earlobe and mm-hmm. march you out the door so that you're not going to dictate my life today. So is, is, is it correct to say that any story that we're telling ourselves about ourselves is going to be connected to the ego and we can only know that we are free of that if we are observing self which is separating Mm. ourselves out Mm. from those stories and because i think a lot of times we sort of come up for air trying to understand all of this Mm. going i just need to tell myself a different story but Mm. that's that's not quite it Mm -hmm. well we we do we are we're storytellers in other words we're believers we believe something we're believing something at all times and you're right in that it's the story or the narrative that we are identifying with that is either a destructive or a positive thing well i guess that's where i'm getting hung up so not all storytelling is bad not all stories we tell about ourselves are bad is that correct or is that separate from the higher self the it is the nature of the story that you're, you're identifying. If you are identifying with a story rather than relating a story of an experience, 
then you're off base. We tell stories of experiences. We share stories of the hunt. We're not the hunt. We're experiencing the journey of life. And so when you begin practicing the power of kinetic belief, for example, you begin separating yourself from all of the identifiers that that you say, I am this or I am that. And I am, I am rich. I am poor. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I am sad. You are those things. So you don't possess those things. And that's the separate. That's, that's what separates us. In other words, when you operate your daily life, through this mind-made superego, which is built uh, upon thinking and feeling, and it's the basis of your identity, and it's what happens like you were equating it with being uh, a billionaire. It's fleeting because thoughts and emotions and accumulations and things change. And so your identity is fleeting, and it's changing, and it's not anchored in anything that's authentic. Is it safe to say that our higher self is the only... Uh, concept of self that is eternal, that cannot be taken away, that cannot mm-hmm. be stolen. Yeah, it was when you came here, we all show up in the land of the living with it, and we depart from here with it. It's who you really are. It's mm-hmm. the nature of the masterpiece that the Creator created you to be. Mm-hmm. Whether you ever become that or not, it's still who you are, authentically who you are in this life. You know, in movies, how they like, uh, especially uh, girly teenage movies, how they always have like the little. I love those. Don't you love those? <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. Right. <laughs> but they always have that little montage, the makeover montage, where like ten of the girlfriends descend upon the main, the main character, and they they do her hair, and but they sort of like put this whole new identity on her. I just saw that happening. You know, the moment we enter this world, everyone sort of descends upon us to stamp this on, like, you know, you're this on your forehead and you're and wear these clothes and put this makeup on. I mean, the, the quickness, the, the, that people put identity on us once we arrive on this planet, it's, it's, it makes your head spin. Well, there's nothing that makes for a better story than the ego because the ego is telling stories. Yeah. And so just like I need a story to support my own super ego, I need to invent a story about you mm. in order mm. for me to survive. And so I am now wow. authoring these, these fables about everyone and everything and the, everything above and beneath mm. all around me as I go through this life. So every superego is continuously fighting to survive. And it's been given the life of an entity that wants to live. I do have a question about storytelling. Um, I think a big part of connecting with other people is this desire to share your story and then see if it sort of connects mm. with their story. Um, that seems to be taken, that all of a sudden that seems quite shallow. Mm. And so I'm wondering what now is the mechanism of connecting with others, uh, obviously with other kinetic believers. That's the only person you would want to emotionally <laughs> connect with anyways. But what's the mechanism if we're not going so shallow? How do we go deep? And how, I mean, how do you share that higher self with someone? By celebrating and edifying, encouraging and championing diversity, mm. individualism. Wow. Because, look, you know, when you are outside of that, in the superego, what do we do? And you see this, you know, um, Oh, we were talking about just the other day, but uh, Nacho, Nacho Libre says, I like to eat toast. I do, too. I like puppies. Me, too. Your narrative changes. You're, 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 you're switching and <laughs> changing literally... your, ide- your identity. You're, you're easily morphing your identity to try to connect with other people. He literally get, lets her get to the end of talking about herself, and he goes, those are all of my favorite things, too. I like walking in the rain on beaches. I like beige. Beaches, you know? <laughs> I like puppies. Me, it's me unbelievable. Too. Yeah, all of that. Oh, but, man. No, but when you believe what True. you see, and when you believe what you hear, when you believe what you've been told, believe negative judgments, and you adhere to that and rely on that as being a truth, the inflated superego, it does what it does. It struggles for survival. And in order for it to live, it has to defend itself. In order for it to survive, it has to enlarge itself. It must increase and become more of the negative thing that it is. It in- Increase requires food, and the food for the superego is to be validated. It needs to be recognized and elevated, either by self or for someone else. 
it's really striking me right now that we are creating mo- a monster. You know, we are feeding mm. this monster mm-hmm. that wants to absorb and and oh, overwhelm yes. our true self, and it's within us. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I don't want to say it's scary, but I mean that that is the thing horror movies it, are it, made of. Well, it is scary yeah. because it does want to overwhelm the true you, not only you but others as well. The illusory I cannot survive without the conflict of the other. It must remain in conflict. In other words, the other is the enemy to the I. Wow. So here's where the superego develops in the habitual personality of uh, the compulsive fault-finding and the complaining about other people, complaining about other lives, uh, complaining about other people's opinions, other people's beliefs, fault-finding in all other people. Mm-hmm. When the superego of the collective align in the illusory of fault finding, well, what what happens then? Mm. It leads to violence. It leads to war between nations. Wow! So what you're saying is that it can it can grow uh, endlessly, limitlessly. The ego can can absorb and and become inflated to. There's really no no ceiling. It must it must inflate in order to survive. Right, and it needs an enemy. In order to do that, it needs the other. Wow. The superego, for it to live on, like we're talking about, well, what is life? Life is, has to increase. There's Nothing stays the same. And if something is diminishing, it's dying. And if it's uh, expanding, it's living. So for the superego to survive, it has to become bigger. And the only way to increase the false identity of the ego mind, and that's what it is, it's not, there's, it's not real. The only way to increase that is to judge other people, it's to belittle other people, it's to find fault in others, it's to criticize other people. And when the superego identifies with another human being as being smaller than it, it makes the accuser um, feel bigger. Right. It makes the one who's pointing the finger at all these others, and <laughs> it, it makes that person feel superior. And so that entity is thriving, it's growing and developing. Wow. Have you ever been out to a, a restaurant with someone who complains, who's steeped in the superego? Not twice. <laughs> <laughs> Fool me once, and <laughs> shame on me. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I mean, that's a great, I mean, you see that so often, I think, we're because there's, <laughs> for the complainer, there's certainly a lot to complain about. Uh, and for those that are not, there's a lot to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. But that's where you'll see it because you're sharing a table. Yeah. But complaining is mm-hmm. one of the entities of the superego's favorite things to do for strengthening itself. And it's so easy. And it's uh, uh, actually it's favorable to habit forming because of how easy it is. Every complaint is just a little narrative that the thinker and the chooser of the ego conjures that you completely, this person completely and totally identifies with. Mm. And it's in this instance that it it really doesn't matter whether you complain to other people um, outright or not. You can just do it in your own thoughts. This is one of those few things where you don't even have to say it out loud. If you are allowing the narrative of being a complainer to bombard your thinking and you're harboring that and entertaining it, it doesn't matter. It still has the same effect because there are a lot of superegos that don't have much else to identify with, and they're lacking even in the experiential knowledge department. So their false identity is thriving mostly here on just complaining, just, I'm just going about like a pinball, complaining with, with everything that it runs into. And as you're describing what, what actually does feed the ego it's twofold. It's revealing why it's so important to make sure that we separate ourselves from the ego so that we can then make the proper decisions for it. Because all the food for the ego that you're describing, it feels good. You know, it almost makes me think of uh, when people describe what it was like to be addicted to drugs. You know, it's a horrible experience, but obviously the reason for the addiction is the is the 
high. It's the feeling, the euphoric feeling that they can get immediately. And that makes me think of the ego. So it's, you know, in order for us to control something that is in us, but separate from it, it's, it's just vital to have this awareness of what all of these, you know, feel good, complaining, or putting other people down, you know, all these little nuanced things are doing. That's actually not a bad comparison to think of it as an addiction to drugs, because it's not easy. And it is that in harbored within a person that it's steeped within doing this because when a person is possessed by the superego mm-hmm. Meg they're complaining about other people it's just a habitual way of life it is an addiction and it's something that they do without even thinking about it so it does it requires an awareness yeah. and the sensitivities of of approaching it with uh, uh, a, a, a determined a firm desire to stop mm-hmm. To stop it, and and to and for the person that's doing this, because it is done unconsciously, which means that they're just unaware of why they're doing what it is that they're doing. Well, and much like the, the the drug addiction as well, you know, people when they're ready to overcome that, they they have a plan and they approach it with a plan. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. what you're gearing us up for today as well. If we want to come overcome the ego, it's not just wishful thinking that's going to get us there. It's we have to have this plan. That's where journaling is going to be coming in and understanding and having this depth of awareness. Um, and you're talking about inflating the ego. So I'm finding myself wondering, are we gearing up to starve the ego? I mean, does it go both ways? Well, that is certainly one <clears throat> you're standing against it, which is a way of starving it because mm-hmm. the superego thrives on these labels, wow. labels that puff up a person up wow. to this false statue of importance. It, it makes me think of when you get a, a promotion <clears throat> with no raise. <laughs> they just give you a fancy new title, and you go and you go around going, "No, I'm the engineer of da 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 da." And whatever. you got the best parking place <laughs> as well to go with it because it speaks to the ego. <laughs> we fall for the, it. That's right. So uh, you know, speaking to that, and, and it gives you this false sense of importance, and it does so by applying negative thought forms, identifiers to other people, and this is what is really so imperative to get. This only where the superego thrives by identifying with other people, either to their face or more often than that, when they speak about other people, they do it in negative terms. The superego is thinking about other people negatively and promoting them in negative ways and belittling them. This is the person who often resorts to name calling. This is the entity of the superego using labels because it has to be right in order to live. This is the wow. self-righteous person. This is, And they'll use names like, you fool, you jerk, you bitch, you bastard. All of those things are just labels that can't be debated, and they're just pronouncements. And that's why they resort to those first thing. Wow. I don't want to talk about it. They're just a... They're they're a jerk. This this makes me think of the uh, really great podcast that you did on gaslighting, um, because everything you just said sort of points to the tendency of the ego. They have to use these techniques like gaslighting, and you even talked about breadcrumbing, and then now name calling. Um, It that's the food. That's the food. That's right. Because the buffet. And then here's what happens on the next level down, and this this spiral of the superego, and that's what it is. Even though it's spiraling you up, it's negative, so you're going down. Right. And then you have this shouting, and you got this screaming, which is a close cousin to physical violence. Wow. So, and as if this isn't a big enough mess. Like, you think this is bad, folks? Buckle up. You have the super supporters of the superego. Oh, wow. These are the validating emotions that are saying to the the ones steeped in the superego, the feelings and the emotions that are going, ah, you're right. Gus, you're doing it. You're doing a good job. Keep it up. You know how good this feels. Look how look how good this is making you feel just to tear down this other person. It feels great, doesn't it, Gus? Telling everybody what a loser Uncle Ed is. Mm. Well, you know, resentment is the emotion that goes with complaining and the mental labeling of other people and uh, and it adds even more gusto now to the superego. And like you're saying, this is just food, Meg. This is this is uh, um, resentment is tiger food for the story of me. <laughs> wow! You know, you were just describing the um, what did you call it? I, I can't think of the actual term that you used. It was a uh, basically it, you were saying there's a you, you, we create support systems mm-hmm. for the ego, mm-hmm. and I just think that's an interesting notable because 
I think there have been people when you when you look at them and you go why why do I hang out with them and you can't quite put your finger on it this is this is a good bet that they are maybe a, a pillar of your ego support system and they participate in these things with with us usually you're asking the question why do I hang out with somebody because once you get far enough away from them you can see just how toxic they are right. but what's happening is that their negativism is feeding your super ego and, mm. and I just keep coming, resentment because so so often the mm. super egoist in a person is using resentment to feed itself. And it comes in so many different disguises. And it means to feel bitter. It means to be indignant. And most often it just means to say that I'm offended. You are offensive to me. Mm. Well, the super ego here is just resenting other people's, it could be other people's greed. It could be their dishonesty that the super ego is resenting. Dishonesty wow. in others, greed in others, their, the lack of integrity in other people, um, not liking what other people are doing or not doing, but weighing in on it. Wow. What's happening is the superego is resenting what someone else did in their past and resenting what somebody else has said or what they didn't do or what they should or shouldn't have done. The superego now in this person is thriving because their false entity loves this. It loves the projection of judgments of what this other superego and somebody else is doing or not doing. As you're giving us more and more awareness of really it's morphing into almost a power structure of the ego, you know, that the ego has put in place to thrive and, and to be nurtured. Um, it's sort of freaking me out, you know, because <laughs> I feel like, how are we going to do this? How are we even going to overcome this? Because mm -hmm. when we first started the podcast, I'm thinking, oh, the little old ego. But now it's you can see right. it. It infiltrates all these different areas of our lives. We're swimming in it, aren't we? Yeah. There's tiger food for the super ego in every direction. It seems like now it only now notice underscore seems it appears like it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not. It just looks like it. So but here again, instead of overlooking the super ego of unconsciousness and other people, and the reason it seems like it's such a threat to you, Meg, and, and to all of us, really, you start identifying with their false narrative. Forget your own. You're identifying <laughs> with everybody else's false narrative, and then you use that to establish their identity. This is a, just a black hole, right? I mean, it, it just can you, you can't see the bottom. Who's doing all of this? Who is it? Because <laughs> Who look, are these people? The, the unawakened unconsciousness, the lower self, the false entity in you, mm. the superego, is the one that's behind all of it. And most often, the actual fault that you imagine to be in somebody else, it doesn't even exist. Yeah, It's not real. And the judgment is just a total fabrication. It is a label. It is a mental projection by superficially, it's a superficially conditioned mind that has constructed this false label that's determined to make enemies out of other people. Now, they may have made you an enemy first, but when you in turn turn it around to make them an enemy, you're doing the exact same thing. It does, there's no order to the process. So with each new enemy that you make, you're super ego right. And by being right, you imagine yourself to be superior than others. So here we are in this world you're talking about. It's just thick, and it's swimming in these energetics. In this world that contains both the source of every person's higher being and then also contains the false narrative of the superego, the world is just swimming in both of these energetics. One is lasting, like you're saying, one is eternal. One we bring with us and we depart with us. And it leads to the abundant life. It leads to days of heaven on the earth. It leads to prosperity and abundance and health and peace and, and all of these things. And the other one, the byproduct of this superego, is decay. And it leads to diminishment. And it leads to death. Mm. So whatever it is that you choose to focus on, now here it is, to the exclusion of the other one, you amplify, attract, and manifest into your life. Wow. So the kinetic believer, 
is the one that's choosing to identify with the manifesting power of unconditional love and unconditional love for others, unconditional love for nature, for the blue lake on the top of the high alpine mountain, unconditional love for self, unconditional love for the universe, unconditional love for God, for the creator, for creation, unconditional love for adventure, for you, for life. So whatever you react to in the world around you is what you strengthen in yourself. One of the best insights for transcending your own superego is just to make the determination that, you know what, you're not going to react to the warring ego in other people. Mm. And when you learn to be simply uh, one who observes the superego within you and within other people, the influence, the strength, and the ability of those false narratives, it just melts away. You know, I was about to ask you... um how can we make sure that we are properly determining determining the difference between you know a toxic person and then somebody who's actually kind of neutral, but our ego is sort of trying to put false labels on them. But as you've walked us through this heightened awareness, it seems as though we'll just know, and that knowing will reveal itself. And it's not something we have to really stress about or micromanage. You do. Well, wisdom here is key because there's positive right. and there's negative, but wisdom is still key. Yeah. And when you meditate to realize to change your perspective, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah. When you want to change that, the lens for the way you see life and, and, and those around you, to understand that the superego state of being in other people is not personal to you, that there's no longer than a knee-jerk compulsion to react by taking what other people do or don't do personally. Hmm. Now, that's a high state of being, isn't it? <laughs> by not reacting to yes. the ego in other people and not reacting to the ego within yourself, you effectively change yourself. Interesting that you're that you're taking us now through this concept of not reacting to the ego in others because all of a sudden you have this heightened sense of responsibility that's not just about us anymore because you have we also have to make sure that we're not even acting as a a pillar of the ego, you know, power structure in someone else's life. Well, and then it does become only about you, doesn't it, in that sense? Because, look, if you want to change circumstances, and if you really want to change people around you, you change yourself. Change yourself. You change your lens. You work from the wisdom from within you. Mm. And because, look, by being a KB, you will often be able to end the madness and to bring about all of these moments of sanity in other people. Wow. Because, which is the original genius of, of consciousness rather than the personality that's been uh, constructed and made out of all of these irrationalities of reasonings and these labels we're talking about. And this is not to say that there will be uh, occasions where you may have to take very real steps to protect yourself from deeply super egoic people don't get me wrong. That's not what I, I don't want that to be the takeaway here, because you can do this without making other people into your enemies. Mm. Your greatest protection is being awake. Your greatest protection is being aware. Wow. If somebody becomes an enemy of yours, when you personalize their unconsciousness, that is their superego. And and this is vital to to gain uh, understanding here, because non-reaction is not weakness. Non-reaction to another person is strength. Absolutely. And another word for non-reaction is forgiveness. To forgive is to choose to overlook, or rather to look through. To forgive is to see through. And you look beyond, you see through another person's superego to the life source that is in within, it's within every single human being. And you see their essence and you see the oneness of their essence with your essence and with your creator. Mm. And so looking beyond another person's superego, it should not be confused with letting someone know of a, of a mistake or a problem that you know, is, it exists and it's the, a reality so that it can be corrected. And to overlook, it doesn't necessarily mean putting up with bad quality. It doesn't mean putting up with bad behavior um, resulting from someone else's superego either. There is no ego in 
informing the bank teller that they didn't give you enough cash for the check that you just wanted to cash. (laughs) As long as you stay with the facts and the right and the wrong, uh, letting your yes be yes and your no be no, it's not complaining and it's not condemning. There's a difference. And, you know, you're not you're not standing there at the counter going, I can't believe you're trying to give me the wrong amount of money for my check. How dare you? Are you ripping me off? <laughs> That's complaining. <laughs> and that is condemning. That's and, also very dramatic. <laughs> well, <laughs> but what you're doing is you're activating the superego, which loves to make the bank teller someone that's wrong. Interesting that you just use the word activate. You're activating the superego because it's almost like a sleeping giant. And that's not going to end well because that first thought of activating the ego is just the beginning. I mean, uh, you'll probably end up, oh God, who knows, incarcerated or the, something. The, your superego needs your permission. Yeah. yeah. And your relationship wow. now is with the bank teller or whomever is when you engage negatively with that person in a judgmental way, your relationship is now serving your own superego. And it's breathing. You're feeding more life into the entity that's identifying with this negative confrontation. Mm -hmm. And it's not about making a correction. That's no longer the motive. It wants to be made right and someone else wrong. I think it's interesting that you took us back to our greatest protection and our greatest asset here is going to be living a life awake, being awakened, acting awakened every single day. And for me, that always goes back to the journal and not just journaling, but um, the guided parts of the journal, they ignite fresh thought, even if it's something I've done before a day I've, I've written in before it, it, there's always a freshness, it sort of grows and evolves with me. And I don't, it, it, it almost guarantees an awakening every single day, a growth every single day. And so I have to say for, you know, I kind of joked earlier, like, can we really overcome this by journaling? But, but now I'm being, I'm being driven back to that because it's attached to my, uh, oh, awokeness. Well, well, that's what we're putting it in because, you know, look, the the law of attraction, 100 day guided journal, which is available on our website, (laughs) it does become a lens for how you're operating daily in your life. Because the superego that we're talking about, it doesn't really want positive change. Oh, no. and notice right. <laughs> notice the narrative, the dialogue in your mind when it shows up. Notice it. Be an observer of what, those, what the language is, of what it's trying to tell you, what the story is. And notice the voice in your head, the very moment that it starts to condemn. It starts to judge or even complain about something. And when you can observe it this way, Meg, and you're going to be able to notice that you're not the voice. You're now just the one who's aware of the voice. You're actually in the submersed background. You're the one that's noticing the voice. In the foreground, there is the voice. There's the thinker, which is the chattering of the superego. Now, and this is becoming free of the superego. This is the process that we're talking about. This is the beginning of manifesting your best life. This is how the the superhumans experience their, their genius of purpose in the land of the living. This is the, the way of life for the kinetic believer. It is through awareness. And I'll tell you, the superego cannot exist together properly in the in awareness of it. Wow. It needs the. It needs to be hidden. Yeah, it needs manipu- pre- to be able to manipulate to you. To pretend that it's something that it's not. You know, and this is something. Just a side note. I have to say, one of the biggest things that I'm I'm so grateful for, especially as far as this podcast goes, is is that it made me because we have so many listeners. It's made me so aware of others pursuing the same things that we are, pursuing the same growth, wanting to live this higher self life, wanting to be awakened. And there's something, I mean, yeah, we could do it on our own, but there's something intrinsically valuable and and encouraging and, and even gives you a sense of buoyancy through this process, just knowing that there are thousands and thousands of others listening, gleaning information, wanting this as well. We're not on our own here. Right. This is a, a support group for super <laughs> ego addicts. And, it, and hello, my name is Stephen. Uh, because you know, there, there, is, there is an old mind pattern or there is a, a mental habit that 
still survives and it reoccurs for a while when you first get started with being a kinetic believer because it has the fullness of all of your life experiences up until now, up until this moment. It doesn't matter if you're 100 years old or 20 years old. It's still a lifetime. Yeah. And so it's the momentum of all of, of those experiences in your life until now. It's the momentum of thousands of years of collective human identification um, that's lifting up the superego into first position. But every time, like we're talking about, that you can recognize your superego and observe it, it's weakened by your resistance. So here we are, and we meditate in our huga space in the little teepee tent <laughs> oh, that I you wish it was painted real. over yes, there. Please. We crawl in there by the little campfire, <laughs> yeah, and we get our hot cocoa, and we meditate to free ourselves and to expand the territory of our best lives. Yeah. And, and, and by doing so, everybody around us is also going to benefit. You know, this is vaguely reminding, and I, don't, I hope this uh, is a good analogy, but it's just reminding me of not that long ago, I went off sugar because it was, I just noticed every time I ate it, I didn't feel so good. So I thought, well, I'm going to give it a, a try. But oh my goodness, the first three or four days of no sugar I mean, the sugar monster was real. And, <laughs> and his name was it Stephen. Was <laughs> and thank you. I, I, how am I supposed to eat all these cookies but, I mean, that you, you're making? But also, I mean, <laughs> Steve, you couldn't do anything right. I was like so irritated at every every noise, everything. But it's just funny because of what you just described. I mean, there's a really, there's a very real physical, biological, historical response to making a decision to end the ego, to cut it off. No more food for you. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. on an ego diet. Um, and I think it's really cool to, to to be aware of that just so that we can see it coming, so that we can prepare for it. And I mean, I'm also kind of wondering, you know, what are some things that we could do as we're going through this process of making sure that we're diminishing the ego, starving the ego even? Um, what are some things that we can sort of counteract that with to, well, honestly, just so that we don't feel terrible. Well, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the wisdom of awareness, isn't it? And it's drawing all things into the moment, the space that you're creating for these things to occupy and for your lens for living and life and for journaling to see your best life and for meditating to stay in that proper stance and getting up every day before your feet hit the ground, reminding yourself of who you are, whose you are, and that mm. there is a higher sense of purpose to you being here. And it has nothing to do with the negative energetics of judgments of yourself or anyone else. I feel like everything you just said is taking us in the direction of activating the higher self instead of activating the ego. Mm, right, yeah. And you know what? All of us have compassion, certainly for self, but also for others that are in our lives. And, you know, Meg, even elevating ourselves to see ourselves as the Creator sees us. And that's made perfect with the ability to live abundantly and successfully, as powerful as that is, Mm. it will often be rejected by people who would otherwise desire that they see you experiencing, and especially if you're putting demands on those people that are closest to you, uh, to change. And and, and if you're not... If you're not hoping for other people to also become enlightened and transcend and change, and you're not, if you're not doing that with a spirit of wisdom, with a spirit of understanding, if you're not doing that with a, uh, a sense of unconditional love, if, if you pressure other people to receive the light, uh, you're badgering their superego. You're condemning them saying that they're less than you and that they should elevate to become like you. And by doing so, you're actually robbing other people of of an authentic desire to change, and you're hardening them into the state of being that they are. So, But if you'll simply be an example to others in love, their defenses will start to fall away, and, and, and they're not going to be so quick to make you out to be an enemy. That's beautiful. So when they hear other people that are close to you, When they hear not only your words of encouragement and edification and celebration and how you authentically champion them, authentically, because you care, the compassion behind your words and your actions, that's the thing that's going to lead them to drop the defenses of the superego. And their hearts are going to be opened up and they're going to want to hear what what you have to say. 
And they're going to accept and embrace your peace and your love and your light instead of pushing it away. So I would just say before you head out into the the day today or tomorrow, just start telling people everything that you've learned about being a kinetic believer and demand that they also see the truth that you've discovered in a way that you are a demonstration and not through words. Check your own motives. Ask yourself, why am I saying these things to other people? Am I just trying to show others how much I know? Am I trying to be their teacher? Am I just trying to get other people to be like me? Or am I genuinely and and deeply concerned about this person? Because if we truly desire to speak from a motivation of love, and the majority of the time we'll just drench our words with gentleness and, and with kindness, and we'll emphasize the positivity of goodness, the goodness of life, and, and of acceptance, and of celebration one for the other. And I can tell you, we'll also emphasize love for other people, rather than magnifying what their superego is doing wrong. It's your best self, everyone, that leads others to theirs. It is the, it's the love in your heart and, and the, the gentleness of those words on your lips that are going to inspire and encourage other people to take back the control of their lives as kinetic believers and to go ahead and change. And when you speak to others today, check yourself that every word you say will be the motive of the energetic essence of love seeking the best for the other person. Edith Wharton wrote in her novel, The Age of Innocence, she said, Each time you happen to me all over again. (laughs) Imagine to see people from the lens of oneness from source, from their highest sense of being, by holding no grudges of bitterness, not remembering past mistakes. Let each person happen to you all over again every time you're in their presence. By holding no grudges, no bitterness with anybody. Because then you can truly say, each time you happen to me, all over again. Well, let's get to work on some highest viewpoints Mm. and just say this out loud. Say, I am attracting and exuding joy. I'm attracting and exuding joy. I'm flowing with positive energetics. Mm, I'm flowing with positive energetics. I'm radiating positivity. I'm radiating positivity. That everybody else can see. And that everyone else can see. I have become the embodiment. I have become the embodiment. Of abundant success. Of abundant success. I'm manifesting the life of my greatness. I am manifesting the life of my greatness. And I'll tell you that it is great. And let me tell you, it is great. Because it's me. Because it's me. And today. And today. I'm imagining to double what I desire. I am imagining to double what I desire. For more than enough. For more than enough. For all me and the <laughs> For all me and me. And, and today. And what? And today. And today. I am full of the manifesting confidence. I am full of the manifesting confidence. That I can attract all things. I can attract all things. Through the joyful power of unconditional love. Through the joyful power of unconditional love. I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful for my life. And for yours. And for yours. And for each one of today's opportunities. And for each one of today's opportunities. To be creative. To be creative. To be fun. To be fun. To be loving. To be loving. And to be happy. And to be happy. Make sure that you go to stephencanning.com and sign up for the newsletter that we send out every single week. And you can also check out the guided journal there as well. We ship worldwide. If you don't see your shipping country, just shoot us an email, uh, kineticbelief at stephencanyon.com. And if this podcast meant anything at all to you, make sure you share it with someone that you love. Yes. And sending out much light and love to all the KB creatives all around the world. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Thanks as usual, Stephen, for all the wisdom. Bye.